Welcome everyone to this episode of Talking Text. Ecology, freedom, equity. What is social ecology? How does it influence our lives and what makes it important? My name is Tim. And I'm Bernadette. We will be your hosts. Today, we will focus on Murray Bookchin's The Ecology of Freedom, The Emergence and Dissolution of Hierarchy. Specifically, we will be focusing on Chapter 1, The Concept of Social Ecology. But first, I think we should be looking at the ecological and social status quo, the situation that we are in at the moment. Right? Yeah, uh, I think we all probably heard about climate change and all the numbers and uh, yeah. and everything. We also heard about or the so-called refugee crisis, and there are plenty of people fleeing from their home, homes at, uh, right now f- due to war, hunger, uh, religious persecution. Yeah. And on top of it all, we have been dealing with COVID for over two years now. Mm-hmm. So how much hope is there even left? Is there any hope for the future anyways? <laughs> that that sounds very bleak, but you know what? I've heard about this one thing called social ecology and I'm not exactly sure I'm not exactly sure what it is but I know that Mari Bookchin was a proponent of that and yeah what do you say? Well that is very lucky because (laughs) (laughs) that that is exactly what I was going to talk about. No you don't say. (laughs) Exactly almost like today's topic was planned all in advance yeah <laughs> but impossible impossible but you know what i don't know is what social ecology is and how it can help us deal with the current situation mm-hmm. so social ecology in essence is the combination of social and natural sciences to paraphrase bookchain here real quick Ever since the Renaissance, there has been a very close connection between radical advances in natural sciences to those in social sciences. Mm, Interesting, yeah. Understanding how the world as a natural body worked, for example, gave rise to new doctrines of socialism with the ideal of human progress that followed the French Revolution. Mm, So let's look at the single parts of the... I, I think most people have a broad idea about what social in this context means. And... Probably most people also even heard about ecology before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It is a field of science that originally looked at and tried to explain the interrelationships of animals, plants and their environment. So it's environmentalism. Well, according to Bookchin, not quite. He draws an important distinction. So he has his own terminology? Yeah, to some degree, yes. Okay, I see. Mm-hmm. Environmentalism is a mechanistic, instrumental outlook, according to Bookchin, that sees nature as a passive habitat, ah, okay. a space to live in. It is inhabited by objects such as animals, plants, minerals, and all the things that just need to be made serviceable for human use. Ecology, on the other hand, according to Bookchin, deals with the interdependence and balance of living and non-living things. Ah, okay. So... That also includes humanity. While humanity has developed away from a natural world and humanity has developed into a social world, it is still part of the natural world. Mm-hmm. Bookchin argues that social ecology is both a critique of our society 
and a critique of the split between humanity and nature, as well as an attempt to heal that divide and radically transcend them. Okay. He goes on to call the natural world first nature and the social world second nature, which emphasizes the point that we are still part of nature. Okay, so we have first nature, second nature... Hang on, is there also third nature, fourth nature, fifth nature? How far does he go? <laughs> well, there actually is a third nature. Ah, okay. But there is no fourth or fifth nature. Oh, very good. <laughs> uh, third nature is when first nature and second nature come together and become one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that does make sense. So we have the third nature as a kind of synthesis, a form of wholeness, two pieces coming together to form a bigger picture right that's something that i also noticed he always says that the um that the combination or the wholeness of things is more than just the sum of the individual parts Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. exactly exactly um but we also must not misunderstand the wholeness uh, here though Ah, okay it is not achieved through homogenization standardization and and a repressive top-down coordination of human beings It does not mean to make everyone the same by force. Such totalitarian concepts of wholeness are at odds with what Bookchin and other ecologists describe. In reality, it is not homogeneity, it is the exact opposite. A dynamic unity of diversity. In nature, no two things are the exact same. And that is not a weakness, it is not an accident. It actually helps nature to survive. Diversity is strength. Yeah, I see. That's, I think that's really relevant and interesting. But let's return to the main question. So, what is social ecology? So, now we talked about the aims, right? Mm-hmm. But what is it? How would you define it? Well, like the best things in life, it's hard to describe social ecology in one sentence. Hmm. But achieving third nature, wholeness, is actually the long-term goal of social ecology. Bookchin goes on to challenge our conventional notions of hierarchies, as the goal is achieving third nature, living together with nature as equals, neither being subservient to another. We must understand nature as it really is, non-hierarchical. All living and non-living things are equally important for the survival of the ecosphere. Yeah, hang on. You speak about nature, iron eats the gazelle. That does sound pretty hierarchical to me. Yeah, the lion does eat the gazelle. Yeah. But it See? is not. <laughs> but that is not the lion imposing a hierarchy upon the gazelle. The lion can't order the gazelle what to do with its time. The yeah. lion can't order the gazelle to work for it. It would be very odd if the lion could order the gazelle to to hunt for it. Yeah, <laughs> and then he eats it. <laughs> yeah. I would revolt. Thinking that there is a hierarchy is an anthropomorphism that mm-hmm. is the projection of human traits, emotions or intentions to non-human entities. In this case, projecting the idea of hierarchies onto animals because we are used to seeing hierarchies in our lives. So we assume it must be natural and therefore good. We can also see this when talking about the food chain. We most often think of as a pyramid structured with man as the apex predator on top. It is in reality more structured like a web where 
plants and animals are interdependent. That means they all depend on each other to exist. Mm. That's, I think that's really complicated. So social ecology sees the world from a non-hierarchical perspective. And according to social ecology, what we commonly understand as nature is very closely connected to humanity because humanity, in a way, split f from first nature but still mm -hmm. has a first nature part and interacts with mm -hmm. first nature so they still have an impact on each other I exactly exactly yeah. they do oh, okay, I and i think what is also very important to note is that unlike other ecological ideas that you might have heard about before like deep ecology it doesn't understand humanity as bad or corrupt or as a stain on nature's perfection it is not misanthropic it does not hate humanity. Oh, that's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so too. And it is it is easy to hate humanity, but it is also yeah. very, very problematic. Yeah. Because it gives rise to totalitarian ideas. Social ecology, however, understands that us trying to dominate nature, seeing nature as something other, something wild that needs to be tamed, conquered, or dominated, is reflective of how we as humans interact with each other. Yeah. We, we constantly try to dominate and rule over each other. That is deeply embedded into our hierarchical society, which is driven by domination. Mm -hmm. Social ecology seeks to achieve wholeness and completeness, combining first and second nature into third nature. It is not only we who tame nature, but it is also nature that tames us. Mm -hmm, I see. So in social ecology, all bits that are nature are equally important. Mm -hmm. And so now that you've described that social ecology tries to unite or synthesize wild nature, so first nature, and second nature, civilized nature, to become one non-hierarchical interdependent system mm -hmm. and that is th third nature exactly but i'm still not sure what actually social ecology is sure no no problem how about we ask an expert that's a good idea <laughs> today i'm excited to have with me from the institute of social ecology blair taylor Please give our listeners a short introduction of yourself, who you are, what you do, and what's your relationship to social ecology. Sure. So my name is Blair Taylor, and I'm the program director of the Institute for Social Ecology. Uh, I've been involved with the social ecology movement and with the Institute since uh, 2000. Um, I'm from the Pacific Northwest, a town called Bremerton outside Seattle, and I was very involved in various forms of activism, from anti-fascist activism to labor activism, environmental activism. And I came across the book Defending the Earth, a debate between Murray Bookchin and Dave Foreman, Dave Foreman being one of the founders of the Direct Action Environmental Group, Earth First. And um, it was just, it was this uh, really important experience for me because he basically destroys Dave Foreman in this debate. It's basically essentially debating deep ecology versus social ecology. And I realized there was a very different way of understanding ecological problems. Um, so I went out to the Institute um, when we had a physical campus in Vermont, which we, we no longer do. 
Um, and I spent the summer there. Um, it was a program called Ecology and Community and just spent a month thinking and learning um, and spending time with really amazing activists and thinkers and revolutionaries from all over the world. And I've just been coming back ever since. It's been my political and intellectual home and I joined the board about 10 years ago and um, I started working as program director about, I guess, six years ago now. And the Institute, it's a popular education uh, center. We do online courses, we do in-person social ecology intensives in various places around usually the US, but also in Canada. We love to do that internationally as well. We do all things related to popular education, guided always towards the goal of creating a truly uh, free social ecological society. Uh, I also, I'm also a teacher. I teach social studies at a local high school. Um, and I'm an activist and educator and writer. If you were confronted with the question, what would you say in your own words is social ecology at best in one, two or three sentences? Yeah, I would say it's both a political, theoretical, philosophical perspective towards the goal of creating a truly free and ecological society. And it has a very specific understanding of that. Essentially, I would say the base understanding of social ecology is that the ecological crisis is a social crisis. You cannot treat it in isolation from the social problems of hierarchy, capitalism, racism, the state, um, all these other things that you know pull human society apart um, are part and parcel of the environmental problem. Um, I would maybe leave it there just for a short and sweet uh, answer, and we can also elaborate that of course, on that, of course. You mentioned already uh, the social crisis being the uh, ecological crisis and vice versa. But uh, still, why would you say is social ecology still relevant today? Sure. So I think, you know, when we think back to like the, the beginnings of the modern environmental movement in the 60s and 70s, you know, the, the dominant perspective was kind of a technocratic approach that really looked at technology and the, therefore technological fixes on the one hand, and also really strongly focused on population as if environmental problems were just a problem of the quantitative issues of increasing human population. And we've seen, especially since then, I mean, even at the time, Murray Bookchin, was a, the, who is the, the main thinker of social ecology and the founder of the Institute for Social Ecology, he was criticizing the 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 very problematic assumptions built into this understanding of environmental problems, especially around population, that if you see population as the main problem, you're essentially blaming um, the non-white majority instead of looking at the, the Western wealthy countries, which in fact are disproportionately the ones putting carbon into the atmosphere and they're using the earth resources at a much higher rate. So he was saying the problem is not quantitative, it is qualitative. It is very tied to how we organize our societies um, along especially capitalist lines, along status lines, and internally um, hierarchical lines. So until we, until we have a society that is not capitalist, where we govern ourselves, we can expect to continue to confront these ecological problems, which is why, even though we've had this on our radars, at least for the last 50 years, environmental um, problems we face are only getting more severe, despite growing awareness of it, because we refuse to address the root causes of those problems capitalism in particular, the grow or die logic of capitalism that posits that we can have uh, unlimited economic growth on a planet of finite resources. Thank you very much for being on the show. It was it was great talking to you. Uh, do you have any last words for the listeners? 
No, uh, just thank you for inviting me. And I, I welcome all your listeners to come check out the Institute for Social Ecology. Just Google us. We Again, we offer courses. We do in-person um, summer schools here and there. We do a journal called Harbinger. Um, we publish books. We do all kinds of stuff. And it's a great way. We're a very global community, especially since the pandemic. And we've moved most of our things online. We have people from every continent on earth who are engaged in social movements and thinking through these problems. And I invite you all to become part of it. Please note that this was just a short excerpt from the interview. To listen to the whole Uncaught interview, be on the lookout for the B episode about social ecology. And now back to the show. So did that help you understand what social ecology is? Yeah, I think it did. But perhaps you can expand a bit. Mm -hmm. Sure. So I did say before that you couldn't uh, define social ecology in one sentence. So, well, let's try it in two. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> social ecology is an interdisciplinary field of academia that shows how our ecological problems and social problems stem from the same approach to rule and dominate everything and to tackle our problems Effectively, we must reconsider our understanding of hierarchies. Yeah. It is a critique of society as it is a critique of our interaction with and understanding of nature. At least that would be my uh, definition in two sentences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now, do you have any questions left? And uh, would you like to define social ecology in one or two sentences as well? Yeah, I think I have many questions, but I think if we were to tackle them all, we would still be here tomorrow. So let me try with my understanding ahead, of yeah. what social ecology is. So the way I understand it is social ecology shifts the perspective a little. It shifts it away from a place where the humans are at the center and it looks at all the entities in the world as equals and What it does is it tries to achieve a kind of balance that, however, doesn't try to equalize things, but puts a stress on diversity, which, as we know from ecology, makes systems more stable. And it also tries to scale things down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the way I understand it. So what it does is it tries to shift the perspective in order to have a less anthropocentric worldview mm -hmm. yeah, and to scale things down in order to achieve a better life for all entities mm -hmm. or existence for mm -hmm. all entities. Great. Yeah. So if we were to combine our definitions, we would have a, a, a proper and all-encompassing uh, great definition of yeah. social ecology. Probably, yeah, yeah. in a way. Yeah. yeah. And before we end, I would like to just quickly reflect on the relevance of social ecology. Yeah. I think that while the concept of social ecology itself is rather old, it still holds true. Mm -hmm. In public discourse, people still talk about nature and climate change as something abstract that we have nothing to do with and that will eventually be our doom sooner or later. Yeah, there is this separation that we yeah, exactly, see yeah. things are separated from us when they are all interdependent but and i think that is there is hope right mm -hmm. and the ecology of freedom in a way demonstrates this 
not only does the book explain social ecology and why it's important, it even describes what an ecological society should or could look like and how this can be achieved. It combines sociology and history with natural sciences, so it is a utopian perspective onto the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we need utopias. Yeah, uh, exactly what I just wanted to say. Uh, utopian mindsets are quite important. Yeah. And I think that while we have looked at socioecology in academia and yeah. uh, how it also is in a mindset, utopian, I think that is even outside of that, is it is rather influential. Uh huh as it even influenced pop culture. In recent years, for example, a new genre and uh, art movement emerged called solar punk, which paints a picture of humans living in harmony with nature, with technology we have right now or even in the near future. Mm -hmm. It is a vision for the near future that is in stark contrast to the dystopian futures of cyberpunk and the possible climate apocalypse. Even in non-fiction, however, social ecology plays a huge role, given that the people in Rojava in northeastern Syria base their political system on democratic confederalism, which includes social ecology as one important principle. Oh, that is so interesting. But I think it would really, you know, exceed the frame of this program or this episode to talk about that. But I would love to discuss that. Or, yeah, probably. I mean, to say, you know, tell the listeners, you go out and, ha and have a look if you find it somewhere. Might be interesting. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, to end things, I want to quote Bookchin directly once. But first, I want to thank you all for listening. I hope you had great fun and consider reading the rest of the book. And as well, maybe look into democratic confederalism. Well, have a good time. Yeah. Take care. Yeah, okay. And also I wanted to say goodbye. It was great that you listened. Thank you for listening. And consider subscribing to the podcast, right? And check out the other episodes. Okay, and Tim, now your quote. We must re-examine the cleavages that separated humanity from nature and the splits within the human community that originally produced this cleavage if the concept of wholeness is to become intelligible and the reopened eye to glimpse a fresh image of freedom.